Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Sheena. Um, I used to be called a reader, but we've recently been redesignated as licensed lay ministers, which is one of the hardest expressions you could ever say. Shall we pray? Lord God, take our time in these words this morning and lead us deeper into faith and what it means to be a person whose lives reflect in every aspect the faith, the saving faith we have in you. Amen. I wasn't with you last week, but that's when you started working through these middle chapters of James with Darren, looking at some of the characteristics of faith which are explored in this uniquely practical book. I think James is like a blueprint or a manual. It's the how-to book. It shows us how a faith-fueled life is. And I wish I could do one of those big cartoon gulps when you can see the swallow going down my neck at this point. It shows us how a faith-fueled life is, or should be, distinctive and observable. In chapter 1, verse 22, James writes... Be doers of the word, not merely hearers. In the earlier part of chapter 2 last week, you read that faith acts and was active. It was sent out loud and clear in verse 17. Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. In verse 20, faith apart from works is barren. But, you know, these verses of this chapter are also a trip hazard of very significant proportions. Health and safety come out because on these verses hangs the entire Reformation controversy over justification by faith, justification by works, centuries of legalism, which hasn't been life-giving and which has never enhanced the church's reputation. And this morning I want to see if we can try to learn from the lessons of history, avoid repeating the mistakes, and step into the verses we have today to tease this out further. I don't know if we're talking the talk, walking the walk, talking the walk, or walking the talk. You can choose. And James, in his treatise on faith without deeds, is not faith, chooses two Old Testament heroes to illustrate his premise, to show us that faith without action is barren and that the journey of faith means sacrifice, often costly sacrifice. But these two examples he chooses could hardly be more different and it's the contrast between them that I find so intriguing Abraham and Rahab. Yeah, Abraham and Rahab. One male, one female. One Jew, one Gentile. One well into his second century. And one a young sexually active woman. One a lifelong believer. One a new believer. One a pillar of the establishment and one the lowest of the low. Intriguingly, both are recorded as ancestors of Jesus in that family tree 
at the beginning of Matthew. Both are held up before us as people who committed to sacrificial action. I have to say, pretty counterintuitive sacrificial action. What they each do is gut-wrenching. It's the long, dark night of the soul stuff, and their lives were irrevocably altered. They're examples of faith and sacrifice, which um, we probably pray we're never called to face. And they each led to transformation from being a broken person to a completely new life. In Rahab's case, she moved from being a prostitute, an innkeeper, through her act of bravery in first of all hiding and then helping the, the, um, the army people escape in Jericho at that time. In Abraham's case, his willingness to go all the way to the point when his son was on the sacrificial pyre and a knife in his hand. Abraham is the only person in scripture to be called friend of God. And transformation in both their cases is key. And I think the verse that we cherish so much in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is essential here. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything old is passed away. Everything has become new. And that newness is obvious to everyone around. I think one of the the ways we sometimes see this in in everyday life is what happens to people when they fall in love. Have you noticed how they change and every bit of their manner and how grumpy old colleagues at work can suddenly become nicer? That people smile and interact and discover the joy of, of good manners? It's an extraordinary thing in that secular way. And so just imagine how much more it is when somebody discovers faith and their lives change, their faces change, habits and attitudes. It's one of the joys of hearing testimonies, isn't it? When we see how God is working in someone's life. If you read the Alpha News, you'll see testimonies from people who seemed to be in the position of Rahab. Way, way beyond the pale almost on the dung heap. Could those lives be turned around? And actually, so often, the answer is yes, and how we rejoice at them. I'll never forget going to a New Wine Women's Day when Jackie Pullinger was speaking, and she shared some of her work with the former prostitutes in Hong Kong, and their joy on discovering faith, and their delight in being a new creation. And how proudly, a few years later, they walked down the aisle resplendent in white to greet their new husbands. That is the level of transformation and confidence in faith that we're talking about. Because the life of faith is dynamic. It's not static. It's not a freeze-frame capture at one glorious moment. You probably remember on the Mount of the Transfiguration... Peter wanted to stop there and build a shrine because it was the nicest place he'd ever been. But faith is a journey, 
not a place where we stand. Very few of us will have the experience of the thief on the cross. You remember the thief on the cross beside Jesus who rebuked the other thief, who said to him, acknowledging his own guilt, he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he wondrously heard these words, these words of grace from Jesus beside him. Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today you shall be with me in paradise. But for most of us, that moment of being made new by faith, of being justified by faith, has to be lived out in the real world. Our journey is subject to the strains and stress, the temptations and trials that everyone faces. And maturing in our Christian journey means forsaking milk, progressing to solid food, building stamina and putting on the armour described by Paul in Ephesians. D.L. Moody has a wonderful expression that being a person of faith, setting out to live in that way, you need to have a Bible bound in shoe leather. Isn't that great? Can you see it? Walk your Bible. It's got to be strong. It's got to go through swamps, up mountains, along very rough and stony road. It's not so often going to be walking beside the sand, just jumping into the sea with the sun shining. There's going to be tough, wet, mountainous bits too. But we want to be ready for the rigours of this journey, ready for sacrifice and ready to live where faith is as visible as a lighthouse. And as I've been thinking about this and Abraham and Rahab, I've also tried to think if there are modern faith heroes, and I suspect we each have them, don't we? People who've impacted on our spiritual journeys. And I wanted just to look at a couple of of my faith heroes and see if they can teach us something. I wonder if you can pick out the first one. I wonder if anybody knows who he is. Ah, you see, you can tell theology college is good for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He not only wrote The Cost of Discipleship, but he lived it and he died it. His agonising decision to abandon being a pacifist and to become actively involved in the plot to assassinate Hitler as the lesser of two of all evils, you know, it led to him going to a concentration camp and it led to him dying there. His faith had the actions. Another hero of mine is perhaps an unlikely hero to bring into this place. Oh, you see, it's good. Aren't they doing well? Oscar Romero. Oscar Romero, who when he became Archbishop of El Salvador, was seen to be a very conservative, right-wing appointment. And Romero fell in love with the poor of his land and became their champion. So much so that he was assassinated. His life of faith in speaking out and identifying with the poor cost him his life. And those two are really dramatic faith heroes. But the next picture 
is of a completely different kind of faith hero. And they're probably not so well known. And I first got to know the man in the glasses through his books, The Wounded Healer, um, the prodigal, his wonderful book on the prodigal son. He's Henry Nouwen. And how, as a very respected academic theologian who had all of the life theologians long for, Harvard, Yale, visiting professorships, worldly acclaim, gave it all up to go and live in a lush community, to work and live alongside the mentally incapacitated. And the photo next to him is of Jean Vanier, who 50 years ago next year set up the first of the lush communities. Communities where the mentally vulnerable live And I think Jean Vanier struggled to recognise that the gifts of people with intellectual disabilities are part of the mainstream. And their journeys demanded a lifetime of commitment and servanthood. But they have changed the face of the world. I think it was Professor Tom Reynolds said of Jean Vanier, his is a life that embodies what it proclaims. Isn't that one of our prayers for our own Christian walk? And sometimes, I know I feel, how far one falls short of it. But I realised that I hadn't been as clever as James because I've chosen four men, haven't I? (laughs) And how could that possibly happen? So I, I want to redress the balance with a young female And Rebecca van der Merlin, some of you know, some of you have met, works in Mozambique. But I think I want to point to the sacrifice for her. You know, she was a very promising intern. She graduated with an MA in public health from Rowland School of Public Health. After her graduation, she had the option of serving as a presidential management intern in Washington. Now, how many people would really love... You know, we all watched The West Wing, didn't we? We all loved it, if we're honest. And how many people would just love to go and be an intern in the White House and do that? Rebecca went back to Mozambique, where she'd done her MA project. She went back almost 10 years ago. She's still there. Imagine the sacrifice for her family in America, for her sisters, her parents her own sacrifice, but what the 10 years she has given to Mozambique has brought about is quite, quite extraordinary. In 2003, HIV and AIDS were words hardly ever uttered. Stigma was so huge that nobody dealt with it. (coughs) Rebecca's work has enabled the church to respond in such a life-giving way there are now, um, let me get this right, I have to look because the stats change so fast. There are over 300 congregations in Nyasa with Akipa Davidas, young people who go out and do HIV awareness work, encourage testing, look after the sick, have market gardens to support the child-headed household and the orphans. They do HIV awareness through football. There is no end to the energy. And gradually, as more and more people have become aware that HIV is not life-limiting and need not be the end, 
The work has gone on to building up communities in the Emoja project, and Kathy, Mark and I saw so much of this, and Fiona, last October. Quite extraordinary work has been done by the sacrifice of a few very committed people. It's changing the face of the country. And it's through them that a watching world sees the reality of faith. The concept becomes a reality. The invisible becomes visible. I was thinking of this yesterday as I was having one of those moments by my computer, waiting for the next sentence, you know? And I looked outside, and in more hope than anything else, we had some shirts on hangers on the washing line. They were on hangers, so if the rain came, we could just rush out and get them in very quickly. And I just looked at them as a little wind came suddenly and started blowing those shirts. And actually, that leavening of faith is like that wind. We know wind exists, but actually we don't see the wind except on all the other things it touches. And as I watched the shirts and as I watched the trees, it was my prayer, God, please make my life be just a tiny bit like that. And when we were in Mozambique with Rebecca, there was one young woman who summed it all up in her second-hand T-shirt, brought, of the, bought at one of the so many sales that you find in all African markets. And her T-shirt, Jane, if we could have the next one. I don't know if you can read it, but it sums it up for me. Real passion, real commitment, real difference. And that's what we are called to. Real passion, real commitment, real difference. There is so much in our world that needs the sacrifice of faith, that needs faith to have actions. Major inequalities that blight humanity. You know, this week was the United Nations Day of Action on Extreme Poverty. They produced a wonderful graphic for this. Hunger is not an issue of charity. It's an issue of justice. Our God is a God of justice. Our God breaks his heart that people are starving. And this whole week is a week when there's been intense focus on our world. As well as the UN Day of Action on Inequality, we've had um, the MICA Challenge a very biblical organization. I'm really sorry, I had a black background for one slide and you can't see the other stuff. They launched a new initiative called Exposed, looking at corruption and how Christians together can help the world be more transparent. Christian Aid is doing a similar thing on its tax justice campaign. How many of you are fed up with Amazon? Personally, I'm on a boycott of Amazon. I don't know if anybody wants to join me. I haven't written to tell them yet that I'm boycotting them until they pay their corporation tax. But, you know, we feel it here, and we feel the iniquity. The iniquity of phantom firms and tax injustice in the developing world is infinitely worse than what Amazon is doing here. They estimate that tax dodging prevents developing countries from collecting $160 billion a year. Imagine what $160 billion could do towards feeding 
people towards vaccinations, towards better health care, towards education. $160 billion cheated from the poorest in the world. And that's why, you know, I can't believe that Richard said that in his prayers already. Was he stealing from my sermon? That's why I'm so proud of Archbishop Justin wading in and speaking. You know, every time I hear a Wonga advert now, or see one, and perhaps I watch too much television, I think it's a call to pray for Justin. Will you join me in that? (laughs) But it is wonderful to see our church being led in this way, because it's faith with actions, and it's from this that freedom comes. And there is a wonderful sculpture in Philadelphia that I think just demonstrates this. And I don't, it's not a very good photo of it, but I don't know if you can see, one body is completely trapped in stone, and the next one is beginning to get out, and the third one is half out, and then the fourth body runs out in complete liberated freedom. And that's what I want to suggest a faith journey could be. When we first become Christians, we're mired encased in that stone and actually freedom, the freedom to act leads us to that tower which is part of the apartheid museum in Johannesburg that wonderful tower proclaiming freedom and I want to to end today by praying that perhaps God might show us an area that he might want us to engage in because it's passion and commitment that really changes the world. Where that faith is evident, where the flag blows, let's say flag, not washing. Washing might be a bit domestic. But where actually our faith is visible. We may not all be called to make the heroic sacrifices of Romero or Bonhoeffer. But many of us have the staying power to be there for 10 or 20 years, being the servant heroes, committed to something that in the course of our lifetimes change. And Romero wrote wonderful words, encouraged us to think that we may plant seeds that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there's a sense of liberation in realizing that, but we can all do something. Amen.